Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you from downtown New York City where guests on Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, open Tuesday through Sunday, 5 until 10 p.m. You can tell Chef Altoff and Chris that Oilers Now sent you. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and welcome back to the show, one of the most plugged-in men in the business, courtesy of our friends at Abe's Door Service. Whether service is their specialty, visit abesdoor.ca. We welcome back from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Elliot Friedman. Hi, Elliot. How you doing? I'm good, Bob. I figured you'd be in Times Square hanging around right now at the M&M store or something like that. <laughs> You know what I did last night? We had a we had a couple of events yesterday. One before the show, well, as, as it turned out, one during the show, and uh, and then one after the show. For the first time in all of the years that I've been coming to New York, I hopped on the subway with Cam Moon after an event last night instead of taking a cab. I no, just, that's good. That's fantastic. Like how? Like do you, like when you go to do. You, I mean, I'm a cab guy or a team bus guy, right? I like, like to I mean, walk if I can. Yeah, well, there's some stuff that's not walkable. My rule is three blocks or more is not walkable. What? Three blocks? I'm kidding. Maybe four. But <laughs> that is depressing. That is so lame, Bob. Come on. I'm jo- I'm, Get off I your butt and walk. All right. Look, uh, we have to, we're going to hit on two different topics before we get into the here and now in the yeah. NHL. Uh, yeah. The first, and uh, we did have Steve Simmons on yesterday and John Shannon, and, uh, you know, I asked. Uh, uh, Steve's got a new book out, but uh, mm-hmm. you know you, you've been in Toronto for all these years. You grew up watching Borja Salming. Just uh, yep. maybe a thought on his passing, and it was a sad day. Just how special of a player he was for for that the, the whole league, but especially that Maple Leafs fan base. The, you know, the thing is, Bob, is that uh, I, I think that uh, the, the the only good thing about it is he got the proper send off, right? That yeah. we, we were all allowed to be in a situation where whether you were a Leaf fan or not, you got to see that weekend. And one of the things that's really stuck with me is, um, you know, I had a chance to speak to Daryl Sittler briefly yesterday. And after that ceremony happened, I spoke to a guy named Mike Ferriman, who's worked at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment for 28 years and was one of the people responsible for um, putting on uh, that weekend uh, where Salman got his tribute. And if you really think about it, it, you know, how many teams have Friday and Saturday back-to-backs? How many of them have Friday and Saturday back-to-backs on uh, Hall of Fame weekend? It's extremely rare. Right. You know, Salming was able to come in uh, with uh, three Swedes who were going into the Hall of Fame that weekend, Alfredson and the Twins. Um, You know, the fact that Toronto had three Swedish forwards, uh, two Swedish defensemen and a Swedish goalie who was their third string goalie, unbelievably, who could start that game. Um, you know, um, so there was a time in the summer a friend of mine saw uh, Salming with uh, Sittler and I believe it was Jim McKenney at a restaurant in Montreal. And um, they were helping Salming order because he couldn't talk at the time. And I think he was there because of um, some treatment he was potentially looking at. And, uh, you know, like he told Sittler and McKinney then, I'm coming in for Hall of Fame. He always came in 
for Hall of Fame. He loved the Hall of Fame weekend. And they were like, well, it would be great, but they didn't really believe it. And, you know, he was able to come in and, and, you know, the Leafs told him, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do. If you can't do something, say no and we'll take you away. And, you know, his hotel was right near the building, the, the arena. And on the Friday night, which was the game against Pittsburgh, he walked from the hotel to the arena and like fans recognized him and he was finger pointing at them and waving and stuff. And I think he stayed till all but the last few minutes of the game to beat the crowd. And you saw the ovation for him on the Friday. And then you saw the ovation for him on the Saturday. And I think he stayed for all but the last few minutes uh, of the game to beat the crowd. I, I think he went to the Hall of Fame hockey game on the Sunday. He did not go to the induction ceremony, but the Leafs set him up with a, uh, a private room at a restaurant so he and his family could watch it. And he and he watched the entire thing. I mean, you know, like like Bob, as as much as I loved him as a player, I, like I think the great thing is is that he everybody got a chance to say goodbye. And I, nobody knows with ALS, it's such a brutal disease, how long it was going to be. Um, but but I, I know as sad as everybody felt yesterday, there was a lot of at least we got a chance to say a proper good goodbye. And I I thought that was really special. I love Salming. He was a great player. Um, you know, I, I did a school project on him when I was young, and uh, I remember in 1976, um, there was a series between Toronto and Philadelphia that the Flyers won in seven games. But in game three, he got jumped by Mel Bridgman. He got beaten up really badly. Uh, Bridgman was actually charged for it. And in game four, and I finally I got the highlight today and I tweeted the link to it, he scored a, a beautiful goal off of feed from Daryl Sittler. He went in on a breakaway and scored on his birthday uh, on Bernie Perrant. And there was a long ovation. And, uh, you know, that was for, uh, for fans who are older than me, because I was only five years old at the time, that was the memory a lot of them had as Salming as a player. He took that physical beating and he came back and scored. And in a lot of ways, that's who Borea Salming was. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's really sad, but the only good thing about it is that he got the proper goodbye from the hockey fans in North America. Well stated by Elliot Friedman. Uh, Elliot, uh, and I know we've discussed this privately before, uh, I did watch uh, that series. I'm a little bit older than you. I despise the mid-1970s Flyers. One of the greatest mm -hmm. moments ever was when Dave Dunn at the University of Saskatchewan absolutely destroyed the hound Bob Kelly uh, when Dave Schultz was uh, doing the Hogtown salute by putting his uh, uh, hand up to his nose as to suggest that Toronto stunk. Uh, and you mentioned Jim McKenney. <laughs> Billy Duke mm -hmm. in the classic 1971 hockey film Face Off. Not the Nicholas Cage yeah. one from 97, but the Canadian yeah. production with Art Hindle and Trudy Young back in the day. Yeah. And he had a, was he not a sportscaster like forever? Oh yeah, very popular one. City TV in Toronto, hugely popular sportscaster. People, right. uh, people love Jim. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now our second total aside before we get to the here, uh, the whole country in the United States right now is watching the Americans play England in soccer, and I got to tell you, the Americans yeah. are looking pretty good. They're taking it to 
uh, the English here, which is a bit of a surprise. England's my pick. To, uh, you lose the Euro at home, you win the World Cup. That's how it works. France oh, really? Okay. Uh, I'll take your word so, for it. Yeah. Well, I, I think and England's put a lot of emphasis on uh, developmental systems and improved skill and that sort of thing. How about uh, Canada against Belgium? And it, it, let's face I mean, still lacking a little bit of polish and finish. I think that'll come in time, but I think we're headed mm-hmm. to a pretty good place, aren't we, in international soccer? What do you think, Elliot? Well, I mean, I, I would not consider myself a soccer expert by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, we're all experts, but, Elliot. Yeah, but I thought they played really well. Like, I do like the big soccer tournaments. I, I love the World Cup. I, I love the bit, like the Euros. I, I love those big events. I thought they played pretty well. I mean, look, you know, it's it's a totally different game if, if Davies scores. Um, you know, like the one thing I've really thought about, I've asked some people who know more about soccer than I do, is I just thought it seemed like that took a ridiculous amount of time from the moment he was standing there until he kicked and the referee blew the whistle to allow the attempt. And I just thought the more he, the more time elapsed, the more he was just standing there, the worse it was for him because you overthink um, I think the I think the advantage goes to the keeper at that point in time, and I, I just thought he had to stand there too long to win. And you know, I, I remember I remember when uh, one year when I was playing basketball, I we had a player who was fouled with like no time left to shoot free throws to win the game, and the coach said to us, "Don't just sit there, like throw a basketball to him back." And we actually like passed a basketball back and forth, and. You know, he made one of the two shots to win the game, but he said that that really helped him because he would have been sitting there for a minute being, like, totally nervous. So I've all, I have always kind of wondered about that about Davies, but I, I thought, like, I thought the team in that shot, but I thought the team played, I thought they played great. Like, I, I really so did. Right. Like, but, but in soccer, and again, I'm not the biggest expert in this, I understand that's what the great teams do. They bend, but they don't break. And they also, they capitalize on their chances. So I'm looking forward to Sunday. I mean, that, that's a super talented team. They are they are fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, there's no question. Like, they're just, you know, they lack a little poison finish because they're young and they can run. And, I, you know, I think tactically we all have an appreciation for how they played. And I, I think Canada's just going to keep getting better. I think that's inevitable. All right, switching focus to the yep. National Hockey League. It is U.S. Thanksgiving. There are... Teams that are not where they want to be right now. And in fact, you're on a show in Edmonton where the team isn't where it wants to be. Um, Is it starting to pick up out there? Are you hearing anything on the trade discussion fronts around the league? Well, I mean, there were a couple of uh, trades this week, not obviously big deals, but they were ones where the clock kind of uh, was a factor. You know, Connor Timmons uh, was traded the day his... Uh, or uh, it w- was traded the day his uh, AHL conditioning stint ended, and then Arizona would have had to put him on waivers if they want to send him back down. They they felt they were going to lose him, and you know they made the deal because they just didn't want to lose him for nothing. So that was that deal. You know Ryan Reeves had asked for a trade if he wasn't going to play, and and the Rangers were happy to accommodate, and Minnesota was willing. So those kind of were for, uh, fortuitous. I think there is more conversation out there. I think we're starting to see some separation. Um, you know, I think the tough thing is, you you look at Toronto. I think they're looking for a D and a left shooting forward. Well, we'll see what they. But they know Riley's coming back, right? 
So there, there's, it's the same thing that you guys have with Kane. You guys know that Kane is coming back. So as, as you know in that situation, uh, Bob, you, nothing you can do can, can be done without keeping room for Kane. I think you guys have been looking. I haven't heard... Like I don't think, like I don't think there's been anything that's really tempted you guys a ton. Remember last year when it was going really badly, uh, Holland held, so you know he doesn't really feel the pressure the way a lot of other people would, and I don't think he's going to race to make a move just to make it. I mean, to me, like the other the game the other night, as I wrote today, Sorokin had one of the best shutouts in like the history of the expected goals era. You guys, you guys aren't getting saves, and other teams are, and that's one of the biggest differences. I, you know, I do think Bob, though, I, I think that there is concern that without Kane in the lineup, you guys are a little too easy to play against. Oh, there, Elliot. The Edmonton Oilers are too easy to play against. They have yeah. no dimension to change or alter the course and direction of the game through physicality. They've built yeah. a team, um, and it has to be addressed. And you can't be sitting there signing. I mean, <laughs> two years ago, they signed Slater Cuckoo and Devin mm-hmm. Short at two year deals. And we're talking a number seven defenseman and a number 13, 14 forward. And some people mm-hmm. would say, you can't do that. You got to just do mm-hmm. one year deals on players like that. Now, Slater, mm-hmm. Slater went down to the minors, played two games, and we haven't seen him since. He's dealing with what he's dealing with. We wish him the best of luck. Um, mm-hmm. And in Shore's case, he's, you know, he is a popular guy on the team, but he hasn't gained any traction at all with Jay Woodcroft. And I, you know, the question that a lot of our listeners would have would be, What's his dimension? And I guess in theory he's supposed to be a fourth line. You know what he is? He's a thirteenth fourth. That's what he is. He's a guy that can play mm-hmm. multiple positions, and he gives you what he's got. I think it's incumbent upon Ken Holland and Brad Holland and Steve Stales and company to find at least one forward at some point here with a little bit of mm-hmm. bite. Because I, I mm-hmm. and and then in the off season, I think it has to be addressed further. Ironically enough, Elliot, they're going to have they're not going to have six and a half million dollars in LTIR that they got to play up to, and then you know what I mean. Like they're going to have actual real cap space at the start of mm-hmm. uh, next season, which will facilitate things. Um, Chikrin back. You've mentioned the hesitation with teams around the league on him. Is the uh, asking? And I don't. I don't. I don't think you guys are on him still. I, I know. I always get is Edmonton in on Chikrin. I, I don't. I mean, I could always be wrong. It's happened, but I. Uh, I don't think you guys are there. I don't. Yeah. Well, situations are fluid, as you know. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm actually like, like Bouchard. You know, I put a tweet out on his analytics the other day, Elliot, and he's. You look at Bouchard, and he's minus ten, and the same people that years ago, oh, you got to get rid of Petrie, are the same people because. I want to get rid of Bouchard because they don't understand a defenseman that allow the puck to do the work. And he's gone through a tough time, but he's got a high offensive mm-hmm. ceiling. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've, we have people, they should just trade Broberg or Bouchard and get Chikrin. Yeah, there's yeah, no I, way I would have I, done I that at the I start of the year. I, I, don't, I don't know that, like, again, like, again, I, I've looked into Chikrin and, and, and you guys before, and I, I, I keep getting told similar things that, it's it's not something that you guys really are too keen on doing. And again, you're right; it's fluid. Things can always change. But 
I, I really don't get that sense. I, I, the team that I've, I've really begun to wonder about with Chikrin is Columbus. Um, you know, obviously they're not giving up their first rounder this year. That's crazy. Um, yeah. But, you know, they lost they, they lost Wierenski for the season. Um, they haven't announced Jake Bean yet, but I, I think he's out for a long time. You know, Blankenberg's out for a few weeks. Um, you know, they have picks and prospects. Um, I have wondered if that if that could end up being the team. Now, I'm not saying he's going there, but I, they've been in and out of that, so it wouldn't surprise me if they're thinking about it again because their blue line is absolutely decimated. So Toronto with some help on D, Columbus with some help on D, the Oilers maybe a yep. little bit of muscle, and we have texters asking. I've mentioned Zach McEwen in the past. Uh, for a cap situation, he was placed on waivers earlier this year, but he's playing pretty high in the lineup right now for John Tortorella, isn't he? Well, Tor- Tortorella likes those guys, and, uh, you know, the thing about Philly is their fans haven't liked their team the last little bit, and the one thing I think those fans do like is is they like that the team plays hard, and, and Tortorella likes that. So, I mean, it could be, like, like it depends, like... You know what? Everybody's available almost in this league, so it, it depends on what you're willing to do and what they're willing to do. But uh, I know that they've been—they've they, kind of liked the fact that they're—they've they, shown a bit more bite this year. There's no question about that. All right, I don't mean to radio you. Okay. About does he get traded yeah, out of Vancouver? I, like, like I have to tell you, I. I, I, in a lot of ways, I'm really surprised it's gotten to this point. Um, if we go back to last summer, Bob, I thought he was getting signed. And I would bet you that the Canucks thought he was getting signed and Horvat thought he was getting signed. And it just didn't happen. Uh, I think that the Canucks came in lower than uh, Horvat and his camp have, would have hoped. And they countered higher than the Canucks would have hoped. And I do think it's one of the reasons that Miller eventually got signed is because they didn't want to go into the season with both of them not done. Um, so I am surprised that we're here. I don't think there's been a lot of progress. I do think his price is going up. He's having a phenomenal season. Um, I think Jim Rutherford, like Jim Rutherford's been doing this a long time. The guy who reps... Horvat, Pat Morris has been doing this a long time. I think you've got two veterans here. Look, the Canucks came out of nowhere, restarted talks with Miller. They got it done in like two or three days after they restarted. I have a line, I have several lines, but I have a line that past performance is a predictor of future performance. I think the thing the Canucks have to most worry about here is how does the player feel about all this? But it is they have proven that they can do an about face and get a deal done in a short term if they really want to. And that's why I wonder if there's any chance we could see that happen. I think they've had calls. I think there's legitimate interest. But I but Jim Rutherford, I think I don't think he feels he has to hurry. And he can wait if he wants to. Elliot, one final one for you. I'm not going to ask you about Taze and Kane. You know, something's yeah, got to give there. But is I there a? I don't know if anything's changed there yet. All right, but I'm going to ask you about the secondary market. Is there hope that they can get something for Domi or for Athanasiu who they signed a one-year deals at three million? 
I think so. I think the thing is, though, Bob, is that we're starting to see some separation. Like the ducks are out there. You know, I think they're willing to talk about a lot of things. I mean, obviously, the the the, the sharks are willing to talk about a lot of things. Like there, you know, there's teams out there that are going to be willing to talk about things. So I wonder if it comes down to who moves first and who gets stuck with some, you know, extra with with extra pieces, or or just stuck with players that there's nowhere for them to go. So that's what I'm kind of wondering about here. Um, you know, one of the things I wondered, honestly, Bob, is. Do you guys go get Klingberg? You know, we kind of thought that that might happen at some point. And I've kind of wondered about that because when does he, when does he really start to become a factor here? Because I don't think Anaheim's in, in, going to feel a need to hold on. And I just, I, he hasn't played great. But, 12. you know, there was a lot of interest. But there was a lot of interest in him in the offseason, including in a place where you host a radio show and I'm not yes. talking about Manhattan. All right. Uh, hey, Elliot, uh, end of the day, uh, which, uh, did you like young blood or face off more? Oh, I mean, yeah, I was, I was what 17, 18 when young blood came out. Like you always have a bias, Bob, towards things that come out when you're a teenager. I, I was a big fan of Cynthia Gibb myself in that movie. So uh, oh, I mean, one, the whole movie was great. It's a great movie. It's a great D Millard, uh, Darren's brother. D Millard's the, the biggest fan I know of young blood. So, uh, makes uh, numerous references to it. So it was, it was, it was a great movie. I, 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 to this day, I sort of patterned my on ice persona off Radke from that movie so there you have it oh yeah keep 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 dreaming Bob. keep dreaming come on <laughs> Just yeah great stuff elliot thanks for your time my man all right bob have a great weekend enjoy new york okay that, thank you very much uh it is 12 55 in edmonton we'll take a two-minute timeout you're listening to oilers now Last night, we had an Oilers Now road trip shaker at a uh, establishment. It was uh, wonderful. There was about 60 people there, and uh, some of the media brethren showed up as well. It was a great time. And if you're looking for a perfect holiday gift, you can join Oilers Now in Vegas this January to see the Oilers play the Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. This new West travel hockey package includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Strip, great game tickets, and a welcome reception with yours truly. For the Oilers Now Hockey Vegas, package reach out to newwesttravel.com quickly into the ashley fine floors text line at uh, 1257 in edmonton sugar sean has texted the show to say bob you always seem to hold the orders management accountable but why so much talk about toughness and the need to address it forward our defense says sugar sean is terrible soft as tissue paper no clue as to how to actually defend if the orders didn't have to automatically score three plus goals a game our record would be much better something has to give if they're going to be competitive this season they need to find a replacement for duncan keith that one comes to us from sean sean i gotta tell you i am a little bit disappointed in the defense but you know, the plan was for Broberg to be in the third pairing on the left side. He got knocked out of the rotation due to injury. Niemalainen and Murray alternated, and now we're going to see Broberg. Now, if in 10 games from now they're still taking on the degree of water and Bouchard hasn't pulled forward a bit, I think they do have to look at a trade. But in the immediacy of right now, I think it's easier to get a little bit of muscle 
further down the lineup with the absence of Evander Kane. So that's why I prioritized toughness. It's partially as to what might be out there and also acquisition costs, but also timing with the potential deployment of Philip Broberg. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back in orders now, Rob Brown.